0: Amr Zera, fourth line, right? 22. Amr Abzera, this matter I have heard from Rabbi Abba. I would have forgotten it. Three people sit down to confirm a document. One of them dies. They have to write. We were sitting together, three people, and then one of them is no more. He's not here anymore. And if it was written in it, this document has been produced and gone out before us as a court of law. Then it's not necessary anymore to write anything. Maybe it was a maybe that, maybe that uh, it's not a proof. If two people sit as a court and, and you don't have three day on them, you only have two, and they and they pass it, their judgment is considered to be a valid judgment but they're called a arrogant court. as it's written in it, the court of Ravashi Ashi, was a court which should have three people. Although maybe the scholars in the base of Shmuel of Rav Ashi it's written in it, Amar ravna ashi, and our master Ravashi Ashi actually told us to sit as a court. And she certainly would not tell people to sit as a court unless they actually were three people and not just two. So like the Mishnah, a woman who says, I was previously married, but now I'm divorced. Then Menas, she is believed about her statement. Why? Because without her telling us that she was previously married, we wouldn't have no reason to believe she's previously married. The mouth that has created a prohibition on her is also the mouth that has made her permitted and if there are witnesses that she was an Sish, a married woman, and then she says, but now I am divorced, she is not believed. That's why she says I was taken captive, but now I am, but anyways, I'm still Tahar, right? Now the Allah is that when someone is taken captive, we'll see, the assumption is that she will no longer be Tahar, she will no longer be pure, so to speak. But if she's the one who told us that she was taken captive, she is believed. Once again, The mouth that has forbidden is also the mouth that permitted. But if there are witnesses that she was taken captive, but she says, nothing happened to me. She's not believed. Let's say the witnesses only come after she's already gotten married to a guy. And she will not go out from the second marriage. And the reason is like this. This idea that we don't believe her, that's only true it's only true if um if the witnesses came out before she actually got married. Once she actually got married, then we'll say, ultimately, since we did believe her at the time that she made her statement, we're going to follow with the pesha, asa pesha hitter and we'll allow her to get married. Just to stay married. We we'll won't allow her to get married anymore, but we'll allow her to stay married if she got married prior to the witnesses coming forward. How do you know this concept from the Torah? That... When somebody testifies about themselves, something that would put them into a prohibited state, and then they also come and testify that they actually are no longer in that prohibited state that we believe them. How do you know that from the Torah? It says, My daughter I have given to this man as a wife. The To this man, he has forbidden. By saying this, then he makes her permitted to this man. In other words, when he says, I have given my wife, my daughter, I have given my daughter to another to a man, that forbids her to others. When he says, to this man, that permits her to this man. Lamalikra. Why do I need a Pasik for this concept? Svari. and Indeed, it should just be a logical a logical deduction. Who, us, you don't need a pasif for this concept, right? The very idea that this woman became prohibited is based on his language, his words, his testifying. Well, if his testifying is what creates the prohibition, it makes sense that his testifying will also be enough to mm-hmm. invalidate or to permit her. So, when do we require a pasik? Look at Ravuna Amarav for Ravuna in the name of Rav. name of How do we know from the Torah itself that the father is believed to make his daughter forbidden to everybody except for the man to whom he says he married her? It says, My daughter I've given to this man. Why does he need to say to this man? She should just said, um, to, uh, to, to a man, why does well, it say this man? It was required for that which Rav taught. Tani Rav taught, my daughter I have given to this man, to this man and not to the brother-in-law. A woman says, I am a married woman. Nobody knew about this before she said this. But then she says, I got married. Then she goes back next and says, you know what, I'm actually single she is believed. Ba'ashav y'lanash, ha'ti the is a famous problem. Problem is like this. There's this concept called that you have created for yourself a piece of prohibited flesh, so to speak, okay? So, and it's actually this week's parashat, the idea of mimatas, masa. the idea of nadarim. We're going to talk about nadarim, taking oats. After taking an oath, I could take chocolate cake, I could make it prohibited to me. So when somebody makes a statement that prohibits a specific person, a specific act, a specific food, from them, they have turned that act into some, into that item, into an object of prohibition to them. So when she says, listen, I am already married, she's now forbade her to, herself to marry anybody else. Well, she said, oh, the reason why I said I was married, there was a reason why I wanted to say it, but it was not true. So once she gives a, a plausible um, uh, explanation, rationalization of why she made that statement, then we will trust her when she retracts it i And then she says, I'm unmarried. She is not believed. But if she gives a, a plausible reason why she's saying these words, then she is believed. There was a story once. A great woman. She was very beautiful. Men were jumping at her to marry her. Amrullah, and she said to them, I'm already married. Another day she just gets up and she gets married to a man. said to her, My cane, how could you possibly do this? In other words, why why were you saying that you were already married previously? Amr so she said to them, You have to understand. The men were coming up to me; they weren't appropriate for me. I said, "I'm married to them." Now that someone who's worthy of marrying me came, I became married. This was a law that Rav Acha brought in front of the Chachamim in Usha, and they said, "If she gives a plausible reason why she made this." Claim, then she's believed when she retracts it. Shmuel asked Rav, let's say she says to her husband, I am Tameh. And then she says, I am Tahir. Right? Initially she said she was tame because she was Nida. And now she said, no, she's not actually Nida. Ma, What's the halacha? Can the husband believe her and, 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 uh, and, and be with her or not? So Rav says to Shmuel, so in this case also, in this case, so she's given a plausible reason why she said this, then she'll be believed. So Rab learns this from Shmuel um forty times. So I feel lucky that Shmuel loved the ben I'm sorry, the other way around. And Shmuel learned from Rab, and, and even so though Shmuel was not willing to, not willing to act like this by himself for himself. Tanu Rabana learned that Rabbi says, "Shnayim imim lemis." Two people say two witnesses say that the husband died. Shnayim imim lemis, and two people say that the husband did not die. Shnayim imim leiskash. Two witnesses say she's been divorced. Shnayim imim leiskash. Two witnesses say she is not divorced she's not allowed to get married if she does get married she does not go out she goes out when can I say that she will go out when witnesses come and then she gets married but if she gets married and then witnesses come then she will not go out come in here there are two witnesses against two witnesses right and therefore, we have, should have a problem that the, the question of did her first husband die or not is in doubt. The one who now is, is going to is, be with her should now be liable to an ashram tali. Ashram tali is a offering that you bring when it's in doubt as to whether or not you did something wrong. She says she married one of her witnesses and he is absolutely certain that her husband died because he's actually testifying that he died. He grew for Vash Kaim. Okay, fine. So he doesn't have to bring this. But the the um, she should have to bring it because she herself is not certain. when she says, I am also certain to me that my husband is no longer alive. Two winners to say the husband died. She's not allowed to get remarried. Let's say two winners to say they got divorced, two to say they did not get divorced. She's not allowed to get married. Amnistis, but if she does get married, te-tse. in that case, she actually has to get divorced even if she got married already. What's the difference between the first case that we say don't get divorced if you already got married? In the second case, we say do get divorced even if you already got married. <speaking in Hebrew> is where there's one witness, not one set, not two sets of witnesses. It's against Eid <speaking in Hebrew> One witness says he died. One witness says he died. And the Chachamim believe him like as if he's two witnesses, as we learned in the end of Yivamis, that they gave a special power for even one person. Okay, the Ula, like Ula, the Amar Ula, any time the Torah believes even one witness, shnayim, it's the equivalent of two witnesses. The and the one who said that he has not died, Echad, it's like one. And the words of one is not, not doesn't work against two, it's like this. One person says a husband died. The Chachamim say that one witness is, is valid for testifying that the husband died. So that witness is now the equivalent of two. Next guy comes in the next day. He says, no, he's not actually dead. Well, that's one against one. And we, one against, well, sorry, one against two. And therefore we believe the first guy, not the second. <inaudible> she should even be able to marry ideally then, because the first guy who said that the husband's dead is as trustworthy as two witnesses. Second guy is only one guy, so we shouldn't believe him shender vasi because of revasi don't put away from you a khatsbadeka uh, mal laza sepasaim heragik menkha and put away uh, lips of of um of evilness move remove far away from you safe a second case ada kharema nskarsho one says she's divorced ada kharema lenskarsho one says she's not divorced therefore they're both testifying to a married woman the one who says that she's been divorced, it's one witness. And the words of one have no validity against the words of two, because the first guy has more as more namanis, right? Really, there's two witnesses against two witnesses. And Rav Yechanan says the be gerish. And says that the words of Rav Nachem Yesi are right in the case of a divorce, not in the case of death my Oh, what's the reason? In the case of death, she cannot contradict him. If the first husband comes back, she can't say to the first husband, hey, you're dead. No, clearly he's not dead. So that means that she's not going to be willing to say that he's dead unless she's absolutely certain and then we believe her. In the case of divorce, the husband comes back and says, I'm not divorced. She says, yes, you are. And the husband says, no, I'm not. But that she's willing to say that because it's not a very clear lie because maybe she's telling the truth and, and he's denying it when he says they're not divorced. Is she going to be as chutzpidek as this? That we're going to assume that perhaps she would actually lie when she claims to her husband's face that they're divorced and they're not? So a woman says to the man, you divorced me, she is believed. The is that a woman is not chutzpidek in front of her husband to, to lie in that way that's only true and there's no witnesses to support her but where there are witnesses to support her words then indeed she would be and indeed that would happen cases where the witnesses say now he has died now he has gotten divorced that there's no way to prove but divorce you can prove that we say to her if it is indeed so, Show us your divorce document. She become married. She did not have the first stage of marriage. She said, she's not allowed to get married. if she has gotten married, then she will not go out. she has gotten divorced. she's not divorced. she's not allowed to get married. this but if she were to get married, she will have to get divorced. What's the difference between the the first case and the second case? Amar of Eda'cha. The Brisa that we just quoted was talking about where there's one witness against one witness. One witness says she had the first stage of marriage. One witness says she did not. They with The both testify about a woman who has not yet been married. and that which it says. In this that she had the first stage, it's only one witness, and the words of one is not valid against two. Seifa, the end of the Mishnah, the second case, when it says she's divorced, when it says she's not divorced. They're both testifying about a married woman. The one who says she is divorced, it's one. And the words of one are not valid against two. Ravashi says, Really, they're two against two. And reverse it. Two of them say we have seen that she's gotten the first stage of marriage. Two of them say we have not seen that she had the first stage of marriage. She's not allowed to marry another man. And if she was married, that she has to go out. This is obvious. Not having seen anything is not a proof. So, rather, it's not necessary. The diary bechatzer achad. Come a case where they were dwelling in one courtyard. the team, what might I have thought to say? Amisa the askacha. If indeed it's true that she got the they get the first stage of marriage, kala is then it would come known that there's a that this is a reality. the avdi inchi, the makachi Not true. Sometimes people get married on the sly; they don't want everybody to know, and therefore, not necessarily would there be a kala, not necessarily to be a voice, a noise, a information that would leak out to everyone. Say for the second case, Two people say we saw that she got divorced. Two people say we did not see she got divorced. She's not allowed to get married again. And if she does get married, she, says she doesn't go out. What's the show here? Even though they're living in the same courtyard, this is the same case as the first. first is the first case. What might I have to say? When it comes to the first stage of marriage, people sometimes get married quietly. When it comes to divorce, emisa if she indeed would have gotten divorced, then it would have become known to everyone. It's just there are people who indeed get get, uh, get married and get and get divorced all quietly. Everything from beginning to end happens quietly. Now, when this is coming after, she's already gotten married, then she does not have to go out. Avaishiya says it's referring to the claim of the woman that she was divorced. The witnesses then come and say she was not divorced. She does not have to go out. masnila Seifa. Second case, the case that she says, I was captive, but I didn't do anything. Manda masnila resha, the one who says even in the first case, we believe that she does not go out, even when witnesses come. Seifa. how much more so in the second case, to vishvuya hikilu. In the case of vishvuya, right, a captive was even for sure that they actually were intimate the one who says that in the case of the captive, you're even machmir, I'm sorry, but in the first case of the Mishnah, where it's not about being captive, then indeed they say that you would have to assume that um, that she actually does have to leave the husband. Let's say that in Rav they're arguing. The one who says it's referring to the case of where she claims she was divorced, he holds a Rav but the one who says that in the case of where she claims to have been taken captive but not done anything does not hold it. Everybody agrees to have over here, this is what they're arguing about. One of them held that when do we say that of Reb Hamnuna? Only in front of the husband. But absent the husband's presence, then indeed she would be chutzbedek. Um, the other master held that in his absence, she is not going to be chutzpadek, and therefore she does not have to go out. When this has come after she got married, then she has to leave. Say, "Got married" she actually got married. As long as the rabbis already said, based on the information that they have at hand, that she's allowed to get married, she no longer has to leave. It says, "You shall not leave." The implications that she actually was married. It just means she doesn't go out from her first permission granted to get married. She says, I was taken captive, but I am still pure. The court does not say, wait until the witnesses come. We permit her to get married right away. Let's say they allow her to get married. Then the witnesses actually come and say, actually, we don't know. Happened to her? Was what she was what she taken advantage of or not? She doesn't go out. But if witnesses come and say that indeed she was taken advantage of, we we came to testify that that's what happened. You know, she has many children. She still has to go out from her husband. If her husband was a kohen, from whom to whom a wife who was who was taken advantage of against her will is still forbidden. These women who were taken captive, they came to Aradah. The father of Shmuel said, had put guardsmen with them to make sure that nobody takes advantage of them while they're captives. Who watched them before they got here? And if they were your daughters, would you also say such a language about them? It was like a famous idea. Terrible, sad story. Sometimes when people say things, it becomes like a shkaga that comes out of the mouth of the king. And this, these words actually lead to what we call, let's say, an ayin type of idea. <speaking in Hebrew> and, and his daughters were taken captive. <speaking in Hebrew> they were brought up to Eretz Yisrael. <speaking in Hebrew> and they let their captors stand outside. <speaking in Hebrew> they went into the they let Khanina. So one of the daughters said, I was taken captive and I'm pure. The second one says, I'm taken captive, I'm still pure. Shavinu allows them to get married. Then afterwards, the captives came in. Right? The, the children of a, of a Torah scholar. Why? Because they made sure that the captors stayed outside until they got finished speaking. And therefore, they were believed because the Peshas are who Peshayate. Glory most became known that they were the doors of Marashwal. Amalir Go and take care of your relatives. He was related to them. They're both Gahim. Amalir Rukhanina. They them, There are witnesses overseas, and they may indeed still come and testify that they were taken advantage of. Right now they're not in front of us. but Witnesses are in the north and they should become forbidden because of Edom that may exist somewhere with testimony that we don't even know exists the reason is because the witnesses have not yet come if the witnesses had come then indeed she would be forbidden but the father of Shmuel said as soon as they allow her to get married even though she did not get married it was stated witnesses of Toma that she actually had become defiled and that—that's that, the case that we're talking about. That, that was the rumor that was going out about her. So, like the Mishnah, Shtei Nashmishen Nishbu, there are two women who are taken captive. Zayis Himeres. This one says, "Nishpesi with Taherani, I was taken captive, but I am still Tahar." Zay Samaris Nishpesi with Taherani. The other one says, "I was taken captive, but I'm still Tahar." Einan Amenas, they are not believed. Mosmanchein Meidazu Azubar to testify about each other. Harayilunem Understand they are believed. Tanor Abbanan learned in a Brisa. need to me. I am. I was taking advantage. of, chavirti, But my, my, uh, my fellow woman was taking captive with me. Was not taking advantage of. She is believed. Ani I was taking. I am pure. But she was taking advantage of. and She is not believed. Ani I and my friend are both she's She is believed. Allah. She believed about herself. a She's not believed about her friend. Both tahir, and in the menace, she's believed about her friend to say she's tahor, she's not believed about herself. Let's say she says I am Tar but my friend is impure, that she is not believed. Hey what's the case? If there's no witnesses about that she was taken captive, why she's not believed? that she wasn't wasn't taken advantage of. It's a case of where she was taken captive. She says, I was captured, and she also says, I'm tar. So she told us everything. So that should be the category. The mouth that forbids is the mouth that also permitted. It must be that there are witnesses that she became taken captive. I and my friend both are impure. She's believed about herself, but she's not believed about her friend. If there are witnesses of and then why is she not believed? Must be, it's obvious. There's no witnesses. now read the end of the I am a friend of She's believed to her friends, she's not believed about herself. If there's no witnesses, then why is she not believed about herself? Rather, must be that there are witnesses. The first and the second, and first and the last clauses where there are witnesses, the middle cases where there are no witnesses. And indeed, this is so. In other words, Tegmar doesn't like this so much because now you're making it three different cases, and each case is talking about a different scenario in terms of whether witnesses are not, and it's not listing that clearly in the Mishnah. Papa Amar different answer. All of them have witnesses. There's one witness who reversed what she was saying. I am Tame, but my khaber is ta'ar. and she says, back either on one witness says, At One witness says you are pure, your friend is impure. She has rendered herself a a prohibited uh, person. Friend becomes permitted based on her testimony. And I am pure, my friend is impure, but to you're impure and your friend is pure. E, she, since there are witnesses, she's not going to be believed, right? because there are witnesses, and therefore it's not just based on her testimony. However, a friend will become permitted because there's one witness. I am a friend are impure, one witness says to her, you and your friend are pure. She made herself into a prohibited act. Why do you need to say this again? That's really the same thing as the first case, right? The two principles: her own evidence that she was impure, we'd go with, and the evidence of the witnesses that she is that she is um, pure. It can still work. What might I have thought to say? They're both pure. Maybe they're both pure. And why does she say that she is impure? Because she's saying, I want my friend to become impure for whatever reason. She's not really her friend. And therefore, she's willing to lie about herself and cause herself to become invalid for Kohanim if it means taking down this other woman with her. Line, that We don't think that. In other words, we believe her. We don't believe about her friend. I am my friend, our One witness says, You and your friend, Is She, even the since there are witnesses that she and her friend were taken captive, she is not going to believe, be believed. A friend becomes permitted through her testimony. Why don't we say this again also? That's really the first clause. Where do they believe? She declares herself unfit. she fit, then maybe she's not believed to her friend. Indeed, that she is still believed. They both say, I am a Kayin. They are not believed. Where they are testifying about each other. Then they are believed. You cannot pick somebody up from a regular status and make them into a Kayin based on one witness's testimony. is testament. That's only when people are objecting and saying that he's not a child of Kahuna. When no one's objecting, then you can raise them up to Kahanim and on P one witness. Indeed, you can raise to and on p one one witness. Thing. Where going to get into what's he adding? Is he is he saying the same thing as Rabbi Lazer? Is he arguing with Rabbi He's saying across the board you can raise even when there are witnesses against it. All of these cases from the beginning of this parak up until now are all cases that teaching the halacha pasha asra pasha Hitra. Why do we need all these cases? we need all of the etanahua we only said the case admits shouldn't that's a case where there's a possible loss of money you still belonged to your father but then I bought it from him so maybe you're gonna have to take both of those words together when there's witnesses that's our hand right and there's no possible loss of money so then maybe we should believe them maybe we would believe them maybe we would not say over here that, the, the sorry maybe we would not say we that the Pasha Pasha to the the mouth that Prohibited is also the mouth that permits. We're only talking about the case of witnesses that desire our, our handwriting, Misham say is In this case, it only concerns other people, not for themselves, but only for others. But where it concerns him himself, then maybe what I would say is, maybe I wouldn't say, agrees. but only said the first two cases, that's related to money. When it comes to a married woman, then maybe we would not be lenient when it comes to Peshawas or Peshitra. Okay, fine. So what's the last piece of I was taken captive, but I'm still taught her? Why is that necessary? That's also another case of a woman trying to figure out if she's mutter or not. The chiddush is that even in a case of that she is believed in, even in a case where witnesses come after she's already married, we still believe her to the extent that we don't force her to get divorced. And that's a chiddush that we have not yet previously said. Previously, we were talking about cases of where... um not where she had already gotten married. Now we're talking about the case that even when she already got married, even so, since she got married based on her, even if witnesses come later, we still allow her to stay married to that man. Okay, we're right. stop over here, guys. Um, uh, farewell, farewell, because it's going to be a while till we pick back up again. And Mr. Shem, August 23rd, we'll pick back up again. I will bring all of your best wishes to the kota. Um, I'll bring my regards. Jishat Shalom, as they say to um to the hotel for you guys and uh yeah i look forward to picking up again a couple more a later and it was deep in the middle of a uh, fourth or fifth power by then i guess yeah. yeah take care guys good job let be well